0: Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. One of the things that I love watching is a good movie. Some of my favorite movies are where something happens and you never saw it coming. It's known as a plot twist. The best movies are the ones where you find out that the, guy, the guy's the guy been dead for the whole movie or the villain in the story is actually the father of the hero or the girl wakes up and realizes the adventure she had with the lion, the tin man and the scarecrow was just a dream. <laughs> I'm sorry if I ruined some movies for you. The first time you saw those movies, you were shocked. But then watching it again, not as shocking. But when you've watched those movies dozens of times, it sure doesn't grip you the same way as the first time. There's a lot of things that made Jesus an amazing leader. One of the things that set Jesus apart was his ability to tell stories. This is the first century's version of a movie. Now, Jesus would tell a story just to make a point point. To teach, to teach lessons to the people in the crowd on how this new kingdom that he was bringing into the world should act. And there were a lot of plot twists. The, the crowds would thought that Jesus was going one way and then going somewhere that no one saw him going. Now, if you grew up in church, many of the stories we read, we've heard them before. We, we, nothing surprises us. We know what happens. We, we, we read through the gospels and we know he heals that guy. He raises that girl from the dead. He feeds thousands of people with very little food. These stories don't surprise us anymore. But the people who were living them, they would have been filled with amazement, with the incredible plot twist. They, they would have had thoughts of like, I didn't see that happening. I didn't see that coming. In this story, in this series, we hope to be able to look at some of Jesus' stories that you might be familiar with. You you know the ending, but we hope that you can see this from a different perspective. Maybe, Maybe see the plot twist that Jesus put in there that would have totally shocked those who were there that day listening for the very first time. Today, we're going to take a look at how God, how Jesus describes Father God. Now, it's hard to describe God, isn't it? If you or I were to try and describe God, everything that we would come up with would fall short. It's like it's like trying to describe how you felt when you held your first brand new baby for the very first time. It's just too hard to describe. It's hard to describe a real life person who you've never met. You can show pictures, but you can't really get to know them just by looking at pictures. Because if that were true, some of you Some of you might be best friends with William and Kate. (laughs) Some of us, we don't understand this God. I've heard atheists say that they don't believe in a God. But when they tell me about the God that they don't believe in, I don't believe in that God either. (laughs) There are some huge misconceptions about God out there. Now, depending on your upbringing, there might be ideas of God that you have. You might have these images of God that might not be true. You might have some images of God who's who's always angry, or he's unforgiving, or he's judgmental. Maybe he's always trying to catch you doing something wrong. I'm so glad that when God wanted humankind to get to know him, he didn't send a book, but he sent his son. Someone we could get to know. Now, Now, here's someone that mankind could interact with, not just hear about in a book, but someone who could tell us stories about his father, and our heavenly Father. Now, even though this was inadequate, Jesus described God as Father. And just like today, in the first century, Father meant something. The term Father that was used in the first century may have lost its meaning today. There's a huge segment of our population that doesn't relate to when Jesus called God Father. There are those who don't have a dad, or they maybe have one, but he isn't the greatest example. Some some people have a really hard time relating to a God that we call Father, because for many of us, this idea of Father God doesn't come with a great imagery. Now, if you are ever reading your Bible and you wonder, what does Jesus mean by this? (laughs) You need to take a look at what Jesus does and take a look at the stories he tells, you will find a whole lot of Jesus definitions in the stories he tells. Maybe you're watching today and you're thinking about starting this relationship with this God. But one of the hurdles is thinking of God as father. So since today it's hard to define God, let's look at a story or parable of a father that Jesus told, maybe to understand what he meant by father. Today, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 15. You can turn there now in your Bibles if you'd like. We're gonna be looking at a story that is at the end of a group of stories about lost things that are are valuable. Jesus ends this whole section by telling us a story about what a father finds valuable, his two sons. In this story, we're gonna see some incredible plot twists where the crowd thinks he might be going one way and he goes in a totally different direction. Often when we read this story, we, it's told from the perspective from the son. But as we read the story, remember we are reading it with the idea that Jesus is trying to tell us who Father God really is. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, Jesus starts this story with two surprises. The the first one is that the son would have the audacity to ask because what he's saying is totally outrageous. Dad, bottom line is, I wish you were dead. I wish you would die so I can get my inheritance. So do you think we could just pretend? Could we just pretend that you're dead? I'm just waiting for you to die, but you keep exercising. I keep buying you cigarettes for your birthday and Christmas but he won't smoke them. <laughs> but I want my money now so I can enjoy it. Now, when Jesus would tell these stories, there were often different groups of people in the crowd. But if you were a tax collector, a Pharisee, or even someone who loved everything that Jesus said, all of these groups of people would have been equally offended by a son who had dared to ask for his money like this. They would have all been offended that this son wished his father was dead. Everyone that day knew exactly who the villain was in this story. And here's the second surprise, the reaction of this father. Most of the people that day wouldn't have been able to relate to this father. He wasn't like any father that they knew of. The fathers that they knew wouldn't, wouldn't have given in. They may have even cut this son out of their will. Jesus is saying that this father is unlike any father that you know. But this father somehow liquidates his estate and somehow gets the money that his son would have gotten if he had died. Let's keep reading verse 13. A few days later, this son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So it took a lifetime for this father to gather and accumulate. It took his son very little time to waste all that money. But this father didn't interfere. This father is going to let you make your own decisions. He's a father who's respectful to their kids' decisions. Let's see what happens to the son. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs Now, when I think pigs, I think pork chops, I think ham, and the best part, bacon. (laughs) But the Jewish crowd probably didn't have as good of an opinion of pigs as I do. To Jesus' audience, this mention of working with pigs, this would have been the worst job in the world. At this point, the Jewish people in the crowd are probably thinking, that's exactly what this guy deserves, a bad job. Verse 16, that young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. What if Jesus is thinking, "Let's make this story worse. Let's th- th- this guy has to work with pigs, and and he's got to eat their food. And someone in the front row of that day maybe just threw up in their mouth, <laughs> just a little bit, and everyone thinks this is perfect punishment for a rebellious son. Now if." Jesus would have ended his story there. Everyone would have thought, this is a great story. When I get home tonight, I'm telling my story to my kids. This story is gonna be great to my kids, especially to the rebellious one. It'll be a warning that you shouldn't disrespect the family. But the story doesn't end there. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. The son thinks I've wasted all my dad's money. I have to work now. And there are no real jobs in this town unless, unless you want to work like 40 hours a week. <laughs> but I have to work. I'd much rather be working at home at my, as a father, my father's servant than anything is better than this. Now we get to verse 20. Verse 20, is, I think, is the most important verse to show us what this God is really like, this Father is really like. This first shows us the most, the, the most about his characteristics. This is where we see some incredible plot twists. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. I don't know what that looked like. This father didn't know if his son would ever come home. He didn't know what happened to his son. There's there's no tracking his phone. He, this father didn't even know if he was alive. But this is a story where the father waits for those he loves. We don't know how the father waits. It could have been on the driveway. It could have been sitting on the front porch. But the father is waiting for him. And as he, as he goes on without his day and When he saw him a long way away, he springs into action. He was waiting for this moment. His son is coming home. (laughs) The son may have said, I wish you were dead. And the easiest reaction from the father would have been, I wish you were dead too. Don't ever come back. Because why would you wait for a dead son to come home? But he, this father, has hope. I can only imagine. Every time someone came onto their property who this father wasn't expecting, maybe the question was asked, could that be my son? Is that my son? But every day up to this point, he was disappointed. At this point in the story, everyone was tracking with Jesus. No matter whether you like Jesus or were plotting his death, they all thought this was a good story. They thought they knew where this was going. Maybe, Maybe the son is going to get exactly what he deserves there was another twist coming. Don't all good movies have multiple twists? While he was a long distance away, his father saw him coming filled with. And this is the twist for the people in the crowd. They thought they knew where Jesus was going, but this is where Jesus loses them. If we were there, this twist might just expose our self-righteousness and maybe show us that we don't totally understand God our father. If Jesus stopped the story there and he encouraged his audience, hey, you fill in the blank, what would the father be filled with? They probably all would have said the same thing. He was filled with anger. He was filled with disappointment. He was filled with outrage. He was filled with words you probably shouldn't say out loud. And why wouldn't he be filled with all of that? This son had humiliated him and wished he was dead And now you come back and now you show your face again on this farm? (laughs) The father might think, I can barely show myself in my own neighborhood. Everyone thinks I'm crazy for giving you your inheritance. And now you show up and remind everyone what I did. I think the father has every right to be filled with anger. And if Jesus had said anger or or any of those other words, everyone would have said in the crowd, "Ah, we get that. But this isn't the father that Jesus was talking about. This father was filled with love and compassion. This father is filled with love and compassion. After all the son did, there was still love and compassion for him. There's nothing that the son could do where the father would love him any less. This father had love and compassion on his son. And I love that word compassion. I think we, we kind of all understand what it is, but it's, it's kind of like this feeling that I'm going to share in your distress and I want to help you with it. The son offended the father. The son gave the father a bad reputation and the father is filled with love and compassion. <laughs> the son lived like the father was dead and he spent all his money, but the father doesn't live like the son is dead. He's Waiting for him, They're hoping there's a change of heart, and he wants to share in this son's distress, and he wants to help him. In light of seeing this father as God, Jesus is—he's trying to get us to understand that even if we live like God is dead, he is always live. He always is always filled with love towards us. <laughs> Verse twenty goes on, and it gets better, maybe a little more offensive. He ran towards the son and embraced him and kissed him. If you're a respected man, you you never run. You never ran. To run, you'd have to hike up your robe and show off your white, hairy legs. No one wants to see that. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. This guy had been touching unclean animals. He probably smelt like them, but his father kisses him. This is a father who's willing to be shamed for his kids. Parents do this all the time to make their kids feel loved and accepted. I think that when God has people who aren't serving him, God is missing something. No matter who you are or what you believe, we were all created to have a relationship with him. And when it doesn't happen, this father is waiting. The story goes on. The son starts his speech. He's probably rehearsing it on his trip home. But He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And there's no argument from the father. No, you're not worthy. But the father's reaction is shocking. He says in verse 22, quick, bring the finest robe. Quick, like, hold on, just wait a minute. He's just back. Let's get him cleaned off. He probably smells like pig. Let's, Let's give him some time. Let's find out why he's really back. But this father brings out the best robe, which probably belonged to the father. He's saying, now that you're back, you're my son even though you live like I was dead. His father then goes off and throws a party for everyone in their neighborhood, for a son who was lost, but now he is found. His father thinks, I don't care if you think I'm crazy. We're celebrating. Love will make you do some crazy things. This father is forgiving. He had the right to put this son to death. But he didn't say, for you to have a relationship with me, my my, your father, you need to prove yourself. Once I know that you can be trusted, you can become my son again. He didn't say that. He didn't want to have a distant relationship with his son. His action showed he didn't want another slave, but a son. He wanted him near, and there was nothing this son could have done, even wishing his father were dead, that was going to change that. There's no test just to welcome back. Many people think that you need to clean up first and then come to God. This is the plot twist. God might not be the judgmental, angry, looking for you to mess up God that you grew up thinking he was. Maybe you're watching today and you've never understood this father God that Christians worship, that believers of Jesus have a relationship with. You just don't understand how he could love you You think that if he does love you, he must not know of all the bad things you've ever done. But here's the twist. He knows and he still loves you. No matter what you've done, you have a father who loves you. A father so crazy, he's willing to look like a fool to those around to show how much he loves you. Maybe, maybe this is the plot twist for you. Maybe this is the God that you can trust with your life. Let me pray for you today. Father, I'm so amazed by this story. And God, I, I, I pray for those who call ourselves Christians, who call ourselves believers. And God, I pray that we would have a true understanding on who we serve. God, my prayer is that we might be able to reflect that love and compassion that you had for, your, for that son. Help us to be able to to see people in our lives who might offend us, who might wish that we were dead, but help us to return that with love and compassion. I also pray for those who might not know you or are watching today. God, I pray that they may know that they don't need to be cleaned up to come to you. God is just waiting, our Father God is just waiting for them to show up. And when they show up, there's gonna be a party. So God, we thank you and praise you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. What would our church look like if we got this? What if everyone who is listening understood that they have a heavenly father who loves them so much that no matter what they've done, they would be accepted and not judged? And there would be a huge party for their arrival. If our church got this, how would that affect the world around us? If our father is not judgmental, do you think we could be a little less judgmental? Do you think that others might like people who call themselves Christians a little bit more if we had a little bit of understanding of who we are and who our heavenly father is, maybe you're watching today and you've never known much about this heavenly father that people talk about. But after today and hearing this story, you're ready to begin that relationship. God is waiting for you. He's not waiting for you to prove yourself. He's just waiting for you to show up. He wants to have a party when you show up. Your heavenly father wants you back. If you show up, you don't have to clean yourself up first. We'll work on that. He just wants you back. And when you come back, no matter what you, what, no matter what you smell like or where you've been, he's going to have a party. Let's read our doxology for this series from Romans chapter 11, verse 33 and 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Thanks so much for joining in today. Hopefully we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, 10.00. And 11:30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca/give. See you later.